Welcome back to another episode of the Squire Empire Podcast. I have another treat for you with my man Trevor, brown belt in jiu-jitsu, crushing it at life. I've known this man since 2012. Glad he was able to stop by, drop off some gems, and really enrich my life a whole ton. And I'm pretty sure it'll be a blessing for yours too. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Squire Empire podcast. I have my friend Trevor here. How you doing today, man? Oh man, I'm so good. It's just good to see you. I know people aren't going to be seeing things, but it's it's good to see your face. It's been a long time. It's good to see your face too. And you know what we were talking about prior to recording was just like um, we both got promoted to blue belt together, but our journeys have been so different since then. Like, can you share with some of the listeners some of the Newest things that's happened since the last time we trained together. Oh my God. Well, we haven't trained together. You said, how many years has it been? So I left in 2015. So yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not good with public math, but it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. About seven years, seven or eight years, give or take. Um, I Let's see, what's new? I have a plate in my shoulder. I have a, a perpetual C6 fracture that I deal with, a low back injury, a torn intercostal in my rib. Uh, a brown belt with two stripes on it, which is the biggest burden out of all of them. But it's it's great, man. I mean, in terms of training, nothing's new at all. It's it's just, uh, you know, same old ethos as when you and I were getting in. It's just you get in when you can. You know, we were talking about that before we started. And it's the discipline is is the mainstay throughout jujitsu and it'll always be there. And that's why we do what we do. Um, so the new stuff is just maybe a little bit sharper technique, but the old stuff is just getting in when you can. Okay. Um, I mean, I've, I've met a bionicle brown belt before, so it's good to have another one to add to the inventory, but you know, I, I can say that definitely injuries definitely built character if you allow it to, you know, I don't, I I've definitely had my fair share of jujitsu related injuries and you just, sometimes you just learn how to roll a little safer and smarter to kind of like, uh, like you said earlier to like, uh, project your long, longevity and being able to continue to train. Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, there's there's people now, I mean, being a brown belt is a little bit different than being a white belt. When you're a white belt, you know, you you're, you go into the gym, you slap hands with whoever, and you just work on whatever. But as you get better, you know, as you and I have years later, you can be a little bit more selective in who you train with, which is obviously much safer. Um, I, I tell myself I'm not going to invert today because my neck hurts a little bit. That's, I think, a little uncommon with people that are just getting started where they don't really know any better. But yeah. as you sort of get better and start to collect some injuries, you can be selective in your role with, selective in the techniques that you do. You can probably stop competing at a certain point. You know, it is all about if you if we want to do this forever, you do have to be a little selective. So I think you're right there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of like being selective, it, it kind of turns into like what type of legacy do you want to lead on the mats, you know, when you're all said and done? Because, you know, I mean, there's going to be some times where you just may not be able to train anymore. So, I mean, you being a brown belt, who 
what coach do you train under now? So it's John Crouch, the beloved John Crouch, who you know very well. Okay. Uh, yeah, always Gracie Black Belt. That's another guy that'll never change. It's all fundamentals. All the advanced stuff is not um, crazy esoteric positions, but it's more um, advanced setups, you know, advanced like, you know, how do I do a cross choke, a cross choke at white belt and how does a black belt do it? And I really like that. We kind of talked about that before too. Um, I just really appreciate doing an art that is as old as it is from somebody like John, who's getting it right from the source. I think that's, that's, re that's really valuable to me. So when you're talking about legacy, you know, when Elio Gracie, Hoist Gracie, John Crouch, Trevor Smith, I think that's really cool. You know, I really, I'm really, really grateful to be training under John. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, me too. I mean, I think about yeah. the, I feel like I'm glad that I know if I ever swing through Arizona, I have a, a, a gym home that I can train through and be able to kind of see where I'm at, you know, and things like that, you know, like, have you ever thought about the idea, like when you get your black belt, like the idea that you'll have the power, you know, eventually that you could promote someone to a belt. Have you ever thought about that? It is the most horrifying thought in the world. Yeah. We, we talked a little bit before about promotions and uh, it is weird to say that I'm a two stripe brown belt because I go into the gym and I feel the same, the same way I did when I had just gotten my first stripe on my white belt. Like I go in, I'm nervous. Um, wow, there's a really scrappy looking dude over there with some cauliflower ear. He's going to be a tough role. Maybe I should avoid him. You know what I mean? And sure, I may have the skills or I would, I would hope that I have the skills to, com to compete with the, somebody like that. You know, I should. I've been training almost 10 years now, but maybe I'm a little tired or my neck hurts a little. Um, so it's, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing to get better at jujitsu because everybody has their off days. Mm. Uh, and it is a weird thing to think here I am. I don't know anything. You know, if you ask me some crazy question about a guard, I'm unfamiliar with, I wouldn't even know what to tell you. So why should I have the power to promote? But I, I think really the thing is, I think John would say the same thing. And it, this, this journey never ends. And that's why we're doing it. The longer you do it, sure. You get some more answers, but it's so big. You can't possibly know it all. So you kind of have to accept. And in fact, I'll give you an example. I was teaching a class I covered for um, one of our assistant coaches a couple weeks ago, which was great. And I went in there and I just thought, well, what the hell am I going to teach? I don't know anything myself. <laughs> you know, like, well, I yeah. could probably articulate two or three things pretty well. Um, but I'm a brown belt, man. I should be, I should be good at this stuff. And I went in there and I taught, you know, like it's simple tripod sweep and some lasso guard stuff that is it's easy for me. And I just thought, wow, this is the craziest thing ever. I was packing up my bag just thinking, I can't believe I just taught a room full of people stuff that they probably, I hope, found valuable. And I was just driving home thinking like, damn, I remember when it was me and John Squire and I didn't know anything and I still don't know anything. It's just weird, man. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. That's a very long way to answer your question. No, it's, 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 it's valuable because one thing I learn as I interview more people, I, I have a lot of like information tucked in the, like the recesses of my mind that I don't share because sometimes it's just, it just feels like everybody was there. So they know it. But one thing you just reminded me of was when I was a, you know, uh, struggling blue belt trying to find my way and I was teaching literally because i feel like i didn't know anything i would pull up kurt oceander's move of the day and that would be our lesson yeah. and i remember i feel like i don't remember what person told me but they were just like at the blue belt level you should be able to relatively be able to look at a move break it down and be able to teach it to a white belt and i realized that i wasn't like i wasn't like 
I wasn't grown in a culture where I was really taught how to teach or the fine details of, of teaching people. I just found the lessons to how to apply it to myself. So watching a Kurt Osiander video five to 10 minutes before class and then going and teaching it to a bunch of white belts and maybe some blue belt peers definitely showed me that as much as I felt like I didn't know, sometimes they don't know either. So sometimes I think there's a lot of uh, reward of the blind leading the blind because you're still 1% better than if you would have sat on the couch, you know? I agree with you 100%. And the fact of the matter is your game got sharper having to to really focus on a YouTube video, take mental notes, you know, make sure I articulate this and I've got to say this this way. This grip is super important. I know I got to bring that up. That's important. And I think that's that's one of the benefits of teaching regardless of what belt you are. Even if you're showing something with 10% of the detail, it's still good detail to someone that's never seen it before. Absolutely. So um kind of still on the like the legacy piece like I, I know you said earlier that you're married how's that going John Squire being married is the greatest thing that ever happened to me maybe aside from that like starting jiu-jitsu was a pretty a pretty big moment in my life but being married is the best thing ever man I I feel like and this is where all your listeners um just roll their eyes and, and turn the video off so I'll keep it brief <laughs> but um married to the love of my life I feel like she, I tell everybody she's out of my league I don't know how I tricked her into marrying me Okay. which is what you're supposed to do. I think, <laughs> um, yeah, she, <laughs> I married up that's for sure. Uh, but it's, it's, it's the best man. I was thinking about that today, actually, because people always ask me how's married life. I was, um, I'm going to Iceland in August and I just got this, I got a tent, uh, like a backpacking tent for it. So I was in the backyard, like a couple hours ago, setting up the tent and rolling it up and make sure, making sure I know how to do it. And my wife was out there just like hanging out with the dogs, watching me do it. And I just thought this is great. <laughs> it's, it's, I just felt very, uh, full you know it was it's cool it's cool that you can have somebody in your life that's a true partner and that makes pretty much everything better going to the store is better going to movies is better going to hang out with my parents is better um she doesn't make jujitsu better i can tell you that but but aside from that everything is better awesome. do you feel the same i ask you how's married life it's 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 definitely a learning experience for sure you know yeah. i think you I think one thing I've learned as I've gotten older is there's a lot of responsibility to like train the lower belts under you. So as a new purple belt, like I now I have like this weird gap, two gaps to cover. Cause like as a blue belt, it's like just worry about yourself and your peers and help a white belt out where you can and life is good. But now as a purple belt, I have to think, how do I give the blue belts the tweak the tweaks that they need? Cause I know that they want to be where I am and then still make sure I'm giving a lot of time to the white belts as well. So I think sometimes, and I just feel like maybe I'm just alone in this, but sometimes when you feel like you can navigate all the, the rigors and stressors of things that are involved in jujitsu and then trying to have to also feel like marriage is like a totally different thing. It sometimes is like, it just has you sitting there with your hands up, like, I can do all things, but this is like different. Like it's, it's like working. It's not like working through water, like in jujitsu, where it's like, you take what I give you and we just kind of give and go. It's a lot more like, oh no, like this is a, you, you're in close guard and I just can't break this. So it's like, okay, do I sit here and I just accept it? Or do I say, okay, can you, can you give me a little bit of space? So, you know, so it's a, it's definitely a lot of, learning but it's definitely uh rewarding just to see 
that um, I've grown up a lot um, in there and I feel like I'm also trying to teach her a lot. So it's definitely a, it's definitely, it's definitely a journey for sure. I love that. Yes. I think marriage is a martial art. I really do, you know, and as great as my marriage is and, and I love my wife to death. I know there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, really struggling in their marriage or it's, it's a lot more difficult or complicated than I guess mine currently is. And people just, you know, you got to navigate it. No marriage is perfect. Um, you know, of course it's, like I said, it's a martial art. Some days are great. Some days are not great. And just like in jujitsu, there's, you've got to kind of swallow your ego at times and, um, be the bad guy and take your beating (laughs) when appropriate. And it's, they say it all the time, but you got to love yourself before you can love somebody else. And I believe that to my very core. I think if you're going to be in a good, successful relationship of any kind, um, you have to, to love yourself and know yourself enough that you're kind of willing to surrender in a certain way to, to give yourself fully to somebody. And I, the same can be said for jujitsu. You know, you got to really surrender yourself fully. If you're going to be good at a, at a martial art like jujitsu, you can't go in there with an ego and get beaten into submission. You're not going to come back the next day. You have Absolutely. to, you have to kind of take it and just go, God, I'm terrible, but I'll see you tomorrow. And that's, that's the same thing with marriage. You know, oh, I'm sorry we had this fight or whatever, but um, we're married. I'll see you tomorrow. And <laughs> you just do that forever. And Absolutely. that's just the way it is. You know, if, if there's a lot of, uh, there's positives everywhere. You just got to find them. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, um, you know, through being married, there's a lot of trying to understand that you both have, uh, probably grown to a certain level of independence that you just appreciate of just having to just be the sole arbiter of everything that's important to you. And then now you're having to make those sacrifices to be able to hopefully be working towards like the, you know, the greater good. So, um, so, so that I was going to ask you, like, where'd you guys meet? Like, how, how, how did you, maybe, maybe some of my listeners might need to be changing, like, where they're looking for Mrs. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> finding a woman that can support your jujitsu, in my opinion, is hard to find because I think we've definitely seen our fair share of, uh, of uh, training partners that due to the relationships and, and the time commitment, they just really couldn't juggle the woman of their dreams and jujitsu at the same time. So like, wh- how'd you guys meet? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, it, and it's what my favorite question. I love when people ask me this question. I'll keep it brief, though. I met Jackie when I was 12. I was living in California with my parents. And I, I've lived in Arizona. Then we moved to California for my dad lost a job. So we had to go up there for a job. And then almost a year later, almost exactly a year, we moved back. So I just rekindled friendships with a bunch of my old friends who had new friends. So I went to my buddy John's house, who was friends with this beautiful girl, Jackie, and, um, I went over there and there she was, and I, it's going to sound ridiculous, but the moment I saw her, I knew I was going to marry her. And mm. it was just, it was just this bizarre thing that happened. I was, like I said, I was 12 and it took me 20, 20 ish years to, to get out of the friend zone and get her to, to like me. But I mean, I made it very clear. Like we be, we developed a friendship. Yeah. I would eventually start going to see John just so I could see Jackie. And uh, we did that for a lot of years. We would talk on AOL Instant Messenger, if you remember that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, it was it was the best. So we we just we just became really good friends, and we went to different schools, which was an interesting um, curveball. But it was, I just love seeing her. And I remember when I graduated high school, 
we had different graduation dates. So she came over and I mean, we were always really good friends, but I made it very clear that I was in love with her <laughs> and I didn't hide it at all. And, uh, you know, when you get friend zoned, that's, that's usually the end of the road. But yeah. if you've got 20 years to spare, you'll, you'll break out eventually. So, um, you know, we were in different relationships and I, I was dating other girls and she was dating other guys. We, we would kind of like lose touch for a couple months and then come back into each other's lives. We never dated ever. Yeah. And then one day, you know, we just, we were older and I think, you know, you got to date a couple hood rats to, to get it out of your system and find who you really are yeah. and prepare yourself for the real relationship. Yeah. So um, I'm really thankful we, we never really got together when we were younger because it wouldn't have worked. I wasn't ready. She wasn't ready and we would have ruined it. So when we finally did end up going out, like, you know, we, I, I said, Hey, I'm going to take you out. And just to make it clear, like, I, I like you still, it was, we were both ready and it just worked. It was effortless. And, um, you know, it's like we hadn't lost any time at all. And here we are married. It's the best. Wow. You know, the, the level of self-awareness in that is like, it's, it's heavy even for me just to hear it because like there's, you know, it, it, I think the, when you're older, you're so much more intentional about what you do. And it's like, sometimes I wish I would have learned a lot of that when I was younger. So like when you talk about like, I'm going to make it sure that she knows that I'm in love with her and I want to be with her early, it makes it so there's no confusion. And I, yeah. I can think even just today, I, I went to the gym and I was like, let me just make sure I'm up early and working out. And I'm, as I'm leaving the gym, I'm like literally looking at the time and I'm like, if I leave the gym right now, I'll have enough time to go home, shower, get some food and then get set up for the podcast. Cause I was like, as a host, you know, you can't be late. So it's like, yeah, I could have got up a little earlier or whatever, but you know, life happens. But like, I was so intentional to make sure that with the time that we said we were going to start, I was like, I need to be in place, ready to go. So I kind of was so intentional to make everything else like wrap around it. And it sounds like because you were so focused and clear about following through with what you saw in her from that very first time there's awareness of like saying that this is this what this or this may not have been the best time for it but you were able to like execute when it was time to put up or shut up you know <laughs> yes that's and that's exactly what happened we found ourselves single at the same time and it was like now's my time i'm gonna i'm gonna make this happen and i, I i'm sure you're the same guy but I feel like there's just, there's things in my life that I just don't care at all about. I don't care about fancy clothes. Um, I mean, I'm sitting in an office that I've been in for two years. I moved into this house almost two years ago and um, it's like, it's not decorated at all. What you see behind me is, is really all that's going on in here. There's like a box of shirts next to me. I just don't care about that stuff. But when I do find something that I care about, I cannot let it go. And that mm -hmm. was Jackie when I was young. Um, it was jujitsu when I found jujitsu. I, I love my job. I've been with the same company for 15 years. It's wow. just things like that. It's like when I when I really do find something that speaks to the fiber of my being, it, I just go, "All right, well, this is what we're doing now, and it's never going to change." Here we are, and it's, I just I, there's just a couple of those things in my life, and that's just one of them, man. Wow, it's something you said that kind of like uh, triggered something in my brain as you talked about, you know, kind of like in the persistent pursuit of the same woman for like 20 years, one of the things that came to my mind is like, you know, a lot of black belts get their black belt around 16 years or so. 
-hmm. And you talk about being with a company for 15 years. So it's, it's so interesting, like, I think for the listeners to be able to understand that some of those priceless things you acquire, it's not, it's not an overnight success. It, It takes being intentional, being purposeful, and being clear about what you want, and then being willing to like, move and navigate all the things necessary to get it, but then to keep it. I think a lot of times people want to get to the point where it's like, okay, I want it. It's like, okay, you got it. And then it's like, but are you sustaining it? You know? And like, we both, like we were talking about before, like jujitsu is one of those things where, yeah, you could probably not train for two years and come back and hit some of the basics, but you're not going to be nowhere near into the flow of things as you were when you were training, you know, three or four times a week. So I agree. I think to achieve anything in life, whether it's with a relationship or with jobs or with money or whatever, it takes pain and suffering and it takes a long timeline. I mean, you're right. I I remember John, our coach, John saying this a long time ago. He said, people give up on things really quickly, including marriages. They said the first sign of hardship, they just give up and people get a divorce. And you know, obviously the same can be said for, for jobs or jujitsu. And, um, I guess as it relates to jujitsu, if you, if you're willing to just give up at the first sign of hardship in jujitsu, you're never going to get anywhere. And I think the same thing can be said for, like I said, literally everything. If you're, if you're going to give up a relationship, the first time you experience some kind of disagreement, you're never going to be in a relationship ever. And if you, if you're uh, looking for success in any career field, it takes a long time, man. But conversely, if you do something, no matter what it is, play guitar, do jujitsu, paint. And if you do it long enough, 80 years, you'll be good at it. Like there's, there's yeah. no one has ever done something for 80 years and just persistently been terrible, <laughs> you know? So if you just widen your timeline out a little bit, you will get what you want, but it is going to be painful. And I think if you, if you accept that from the very beginning and you just nod your head and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And my timeline is X, whatever that is, 10 years, you know, it's like weight loss it takes a long time, man. You can't say, I'm going to do this diet for 30 days and we'll see how it goes. No, this is what you eat now. Straight up, period. This is what you eat now. And as you deviate from that, your results will vary. So you've got to set your baseline and just do that and do not deviate no matter what it is. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> to what, to your point, you know, there's a very, I guess people from the outside world probably don't uh see the merit or the validity to it but that quote you know a black belt is just a white belt who never quit and (laughs) you don't realize how true that is until you you see people that you've trained with actually acquire that black belt and then you look and you think five ten fifteen holy crap you know and then like then when you see not only people get their black belt but when you think about someone like thomas who created his own gym like that's a total different level of, of, of legacy to say, like, I train, like, I mean, Thomas was always a beast. Like every, I've seen him, he's coached me before. I've, I've, I've taken lessons like in class with him. And I was like, yo, this dude is, he's built different for him to be so small, but dynamic and X, Y, Z. So to see him raise through all the ranks to become a very competent black belt. And then to, like you're saying, like, have like, the business savvy and the risk to go out and create his own gym to leave his own legacy of jujitsu is like, like my brain can't even like process it, you know? Cause like, like we were talking about um, before, 
when you go and you teach, you know, it's hard because you're like, what do I know? What can I teach? Is it going to be value added? But when you're, but when you're covering there, you feel like you get a little bit more grace because, Hey, I'm just the filling guy. I'm just helping out. Hope it was moderately successful. The real guy will be here tomorrow. So don't hate me, you know, but when you're like the head instructor at your own gym, all the development comes from you, you know? Yeah. People are paying their hard earned dollars to get something from you and whether or not you're good does it doesn't matter you need to be able to make them good and it's expensive you know this stuff is not cheap you're so right you can't have any off days you can't call in sick you know like you go in and you make these these people that are paying for your services good that's what you got to do it's it is a strange thing yeah absolutely so like the the things that you highlighted, you say, you know, like, you know, your marriage and jujitsu and your job are being like very big things that keep in, that are important to you. But like what in what what things kind of drive you that like, I guess, that allow you to, um, I guess, appropriately like lock in when you know it's something that you want? That's a good question. I really don't know how to answer that. I think, I don't know, man, I, I feel like we're all running from some level of childhood trauma, you know, and I've at least in some form and like not everybody has childhood trauma. So I, I mean, I grew up, you know, lower middle class. I don't have, I wasn't in a broken home. I wasn't in an abusive home or anything like that. But what did happen to me when I was very young is my dad lost his job when I was in um, sixth grade. And it was, it was during the, the big dot com bubble and that burst, he was in tech and we lost our house and my mom was a stay-at-home mom and we we had to move to California because that's where my dad found a job. And I mean, it was just like, you know, we were losing everything. We you just got to, just got to take what you're given. So he found a tech job up in California. We moved up to California, slept on, um, I think it was my mother's aunt and uncle's. It was, it was, we slept in their spare bedroom for a while while we looked for a place to live. And it was just really damaging to me. I remember my parents were probably a little too open with their finances and um, I just watched our family kind of go, you know, I was young. I, I watched it go from Pleasantville to my aunt and uncle bringing over groceries. And it was, it was just really strange at the time. Like I, I remember telling my dad, I'm selling all my Pokemon cards and I will, I will buy us a house or like all, you know what I mean? And I, for whatever reason, ever since then, I, I watched my dad claw his way back. We eventually moved back to Arizona bought a house all was well, but it took a lot of years and a lot of pain. And I think, um, they, uh, you know, they did the best they could, but my, I, I never felt like my dad or my family got a, a fair shake in life. I think I watched my dad work harder than anyone else I'd ever met in my life. I don't, I'd never seen anyone be more selfless in my life. And I think anybody that's met my dad would agree with that. Um, and he never really got a fair shake. I, I felt like I watched this guy work so hard and he never, truly got what he deserved and now he's retired and just kind of you know living his life but he all he deserved more and i always kind of told myself that'll never be me and i think it really does come from just growing up in that way the bubble kind of burst for me too in a way and i just think ever since then i i kind of make a decision like this i want this i'm going to get this and maybe that's the only child in me <laughs> maybe it's like the the selfish only child in me um but for all the things i just don't care about I think it's okay when you identify for anybody, if you identify something in life that you really want, you have to go get it. And uh, I think that's where it comes from, at least for me. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, my dad's definitely um, a big 
inspiration for me because, you know, I think, you know, in the current climate of how society is, I think there's a lot of, there's, there's this new, better way to do everything. But I can say my dad taught me so many fundamental things that I feel like are just so lost. Like I remember growing up in school and learning cursive. And I mean, I, other than signing checks, I don't really think of any time I really use cursive. And my dad showed me how to like fish and he showed me how to like sharpen a pencil with a knife. So there's a lot of things like that, that he just showed me that you'll probably, you, you probably don't see the value in this now, but later on in your life, you're going to have this tool. And I think kind of like to what you're um, talking about, like working your way through it. I've always been that person where it's like, if there's a long way to do math in a short way, I'm the long way person because I can go and see back where I went wrong and I can kind of figure it out and I can get to the right answer where nowadays it's about how do I get to this the quickest? How do I just like, what's the quickest shortcut? And it's like, okay, that's fine. But like, what happens when you hit an obstacle? Like what happens when it just doesn't work out, you know, the way it's supposed to, you know? So I definitely um, agree that um, there's a lot of um, respect that should be given to people who are like, you know, quote unquote, doing the right thing. And it just doesn't work out the way it's supposed to, you know, my dad, just the other day, I think we were talking about something because my dad flew down while I was TDY down in Texas. And I said, uh, if I was given a million dollars, I told him like really bluntly, I'm like, I would pay off your house. I would buy myself a house. I would buy you a car. No, I said, I said, I would buy, I'll pay off their house. I think I would buy him a car, buy myself a car and I'll buy myself a house and I'll put the rest into the savings. And I just, because like my parents have done so much for me, like the idea to give them back something that they don't even need, but just the fact that I thought of them first when I would be like given this windfall of like, you know, resources to do something with instead of just saying, Oh, I want to buy a jet and a Lamborghini and this, that, and the other, like that wasn't even my natural thing because I just think that my parents are just there for me in ways that I don't think, you know, a lot of people have parents that are like that selfless for them. So. I agree. Yes. And it's so interesting to talk about this stuff because like I said, I I have what I would consider to be like a, a moment in my life of pain when my dad lost a job. I'll remember it like it was yesterday and it, it really did change the way I, I think and thought for the rest of my life. But I mean, it's pretty small potatoes in the grand scheme of things. Like it's really not that big of a deal. And you think about people that grew up in, you know, people with a, a hugely alcoholic father or an abusive father or both. Yeah. And uh, or they, they lost their parents in a car accident when they were five or 10. And it's just amazing to me that those people find a way to pull it together. And I, it's all kind of related, but I wanted to add an anecdote to what you said. Um, you were talking about the long and short math example and how you like to do the long math It's because you're a grinder. And I feel like anybody that's worth their weight in, in salt or gold, whatever the saying is, is yeah. a grinder. Life is a grind, you know? And I think once you realize life is a grind, you start to expand that timeline a little bit. And like we were saying with, with great parents, I'm sure your dad's a grinder too. And that's where you get it. And you probably saw that in him and realized that he should be rewarded for his grind. Right? Absolutely. And I think something you said about for your dad is like, you know, the deserve. Right. And I think when you're, when you're, when you're surrounded around people 
who are grinding, who are working, who are like being selfless, the people who are willing to get up at four o'clock in the morning and stay at work until the job is done, I think deserve doesn't seem like a far-fetched idea because the, the level of commitment is already demonstrated in how they carry themselves every day. Where a lot of other times, I think some people think of deserve and it's just implied like I woke up this morning, so then, so here I am, this is what I want. So I think uh, we both have been able to see that, that I think, you know, the way our fathers kind of really were transparent and like imparted like, you know, those priceless lessons in you, maybe that's also part of the reason why we've been able to train jujitsu so long is being able to take direction. You know, I think, you know, being humbled every day on the mats and then still being able to talk to your dad about how life is going and having my mom show up to my tournaments and things like that. It just, I think it just showed me that I'm humble enough to always be able to follow someone to, to achieve things that are bigger than myself, you know, man, you're so right. Yes. And going back to the, the long division thing and, and the grind it's in speaking of jujitsu, I think this is related and I think you'll agree with me too. There are some people in jujitsu that just get it. Like they just walk into the gym and they just, for whatever reason, you know, like they'll, instead of getting a black belt in whatever, 10, 16 years, whatever it is, they get it in like five, you know, and they're just a total phenom and they just can, they just see it. It's like Neo in the matrix. Yeah. Uh, I'm not that guy. You know, I, I'm the opposite of that guy. I need to watch a move on YouTube like 45 times. And then I'm like, okay, I understand the first grip on this. I'm just terrible at it. It's not for me. I'm terrible at it in that way. And I kind of like that. You know, when I started out, I remember rolling with people like that who were progressing really fast and um, they would look at a technique one time and be able to do it. And I just did, I did not have that in me. And it really bothered me. I thought like, why, why is this so hard for my brain? But the longer I've been doing it, the more I realize I kind of would rather be the person that sucks. And it takes more mental energy to figure something out you know, if you figure something out in 10 minutes and it takes me an hour, I'm probably going to get more out of it than you. You know, you're probably going to, you're, you're probably more likely to write it off and just go, all right, what's next On to the next thing where I'm going to, I kind of have to live in that world for a minute and really like surrender myself and uh, apply myself fully to comprehend what's going on. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we're all trying to do anyway in life, not only in jujitsu, but in life. So things, yes, they take a while, but the, for the grinders, you get more out of it, you know? So I think our fathers would agree, you know, an overnight success is great, but look at all these basketball players, football players, rappers, they go broke in, you know, 10 years or three years or whatever it is, but it's the people that work their way up slowly. Those people are wealthy. And I think the same can be said for knowledge too. Yeah. And, you know, I I love the idea of trying to get people to understand there's some wealth that's beyond what you can acquire in your in your bank account you know uh you know i i think i love the fact that um every belt you know that you that you 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 earn you know it's like yeah you know there's a lineage attached to it but it's because you have done the work consistently and i think one of the 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 things that's probably the most humbling about jujitsu from my vantage point is you know, I remember them saying, like, once you progress to a certain level, I should objectively be able to pick you up and drop you in any gym in the world. And against your peers, you should be able to, like, hold your hold your hold your water, you know. 
And I can think of, you know, uh, starting the train in, you know, tech school in Texas and then, you know, going through a divorce. And then once the divorce was over, I was like, okay, time to like invest in myself and starting to train there and like training in Arizona and training in Korea and then training in, I was TDY in Oklahoma and I found a gym to train there and then training in North Dakota and now I'm training in Japan. I started seeing that even though I felt like you were talking about like your, my progression was a little bit, maybe halted a little bit. Cause you know, you're, you're under a bunch of different instructors. I noticed that with my peers though, I was still able to be competitive. And it just showed you that even though your path may be different, the things that have been imparted in you are still like beyond like what you can maybe necessarily see in the mirror every single day when you wake up, you know? Yeah. Yes. As it relates to the Squire empire, it's, it's, it's Chris Howder says this best. It's not who's good. It's who's left. And he's a famous black belt from way back in the day. It's not who's Mm -hmm. good. It's who's left. It's like with podcasting or whatever you're doing in life. If you get to episode 300,000 of the Squire empire, people are listening. Like you're going to be successful. You know what I mean? And that's, that's anything in life. Just extend the timeline a little bit, grind it out, show up every day and you will be worth your weight in gold. Yeah, absolutely. So like, um, when you like, I know that you read a lot. So like, what are some of like your, maybe some of the biggest inspirations of like maybe authors or things that like kind of keep you keep your cup full? Because I mean, I, I would imagine, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, as a, as a man who has very like, um, uh, I would say kind of linear of being able to say like, my focus is like my family, my career, my, my hobbies. I know you're a big surfer as well. Like, it, it seems like when you have maybe such a uh, narrow, like, Hey, I need to put my energy in these areas. Um, you probably are like very devoted in each of those areas because those are where your primary focus is. So what type of things inspire you to like keep your cup full so you can continue to pour in those three areas? Oh, it's a great question, John. Uh, yes, I have many answers to this. I, I meditate every morning without fail. And I've been doing that for man, as long as I can remember, it's been a long time. My practice has always been in the morning, I get up and I, I read these days it's stoic philosophy i'm reading i read marcus aurelius almost every day meditations and i read um letters from a stoic by lucius seneca i read a lot of zen philosophy and it's just um you know before i was married i would i would get up kiss the dog go in the front room cross my legs on a meditation cushion grab a a small stack of books that i usually highlight when i read them for the first time i highlight the stuff that i think is cool and I would just sit on the cushion, make my tea, and it, it, within about an hour, I'm like mentally in another place. And for me, that hour is really valuable, and I, I still do that today. My wife is is there with me, which is cool. Uh, but I always have a some book. So, like I said, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius is wonderful. It's a Stoic philosophy book that's exactly what we're talking about. There's a, a I got a tattoo on my arm, which you maybe can see. There's a, a, a little, for people that can't see it, it's a small, we'll call it a puzzle piece that kind of fits into a big puzzle piece. And it's from, it's from meditations and Marcus Aurelius wrote 2000 years ago. Um, the small things make up the big things. All the big things you see are just made up of smaller things. Um, and I think the same can be said in life. He talks about 
the universe, look at the universe as one living organism, or look at planet Earth as one living thing, or humanity as one living organism. We're a jujitsu room, you know, it's a lot of different people, but we're all kind of living and breathing. So anyway, I really love stoic philosophy. I really love Zen philosophy and just taking 10 to 20 minutes to, to turn the world off for a minute, focus on my breathing, close my eyes, get centered. Um, that fills my cup for the day. And if I don't get that time in the morning, everybody knows about it. <laughs> you got it. You got to do it. That stuff. It really inspires me to read people from thousands of years ago, talking about the trials and tribulations of the time, which are exactly what, what they are today. The, things haven't changed at all. We just have cell phones and computers now. Wow. You know, that's, that's deep. And I, I love, I love people who have routines because it's always like a nudge for you to not necessarily that you have to like copy paste it in your own life, but it lets you kind of be like, maybe I can make a little bit more time here and there. So like um, somebody that I think is maybe a, a more current example that, that really changed my life is, are you familiar with David Goggins at all? Of course. Yeah. Like that guy, like I remember listening to his book. I think it's probably the first audiobook I listened to from front to back. And just the concept of him saying, like, you just can't leave shit on the table. Like, you just got to fucking do it. And I remember when I was at Grand Forks, um, my duty station prior to here, I kind of was like in a place where I just felt like I just wasn't getting what I deserved, like occupationally in jujitsu, in life, you know, I was just like, man, like dating life isn't going super hot, like jujitsu, I'm training these guys to be killers on base, and I go off base, and I, I still look like out of sorts, and I'm at work busting my butt in a position bigger than what I'm supposed to be in, I'm just like, man, this is just, where, where, where do I like win here? And I remember just coming across David Goggins and just seeing him be like so consistent about his messaging and stuff and just listening to his book and him just saying like, you just can't leave shit on the table. And then I, I like really adopted that philosophy and I started seeing that I would, um, something as simple as like Grand Forks, like uh, from work to um, home is 30 minutes drive, no matter how fast or slow, it's 30 minutes. So what I realized is I would use that time to kind of meditate, either listen to music or listen to a podcast and I would go purposely, I would uh, go to the gym in the morning, I would work out and then I'd bring my work clothes and I would just shower at the gym, change and I would just go to work just so that way I didn't have the excuse of missing, you know, a workout. And then, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would teach jujitsu as well. So not that I didn't want, not that those guys wouldn't be worth or wouldn't be okay if I skipped a jujitsu class. I just kind of was like, I want to be available. So I just think about like that commitment that I was making, I was like, okay. And then there'd be times where I would, on days I wouldn't teach, I'd be at work till seven o'clock, eight at night, you know, working on different things. And I was like, man, this is a lot. But then as I left out of there, I got here and, you know, I got promoted in the military. I got promoted to Purple Belt. I'm like, okay. So sometimes you really have to be willing to go to that dark place and really just say, I'm not going to leave anything to chance. I'm going to really put myself first. And you start realizing that not a lot of people will will rock with you as you're willing to do that. But when you meet other people who are willing to like put everything to the side to make the time to meditate or to invest in their family or 
you know, I have a younger brother, so I'm always pouring into him. You can't do all that if you're not really okay with what you're doing and maximizing your own life. So that was like a big turning point for me to just see somebody who looks like me, who, you know, all, 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 all things in his life would have pointed that he probably would have never made it through the military with all the setbacks that he had, but he was still able to make it through and then still be able to be a retired person, uh, probably award-winning book writer. And you see him on IG and he's just running miles. You know, you see him in the gym and you see him running ultra marathons. You're just like, dude, like this guy has all the, I wouldn't say excuses, but all the reasons to be able to say, I deserve to take a step back but just where he's wired in his life, a step back for him and a step back for us aren't even in the same conversation, you know? Uh, yes. I, I, that is the first audiobook I also listened to start to finish. And I, I, I'm not an audiobook person. I'm like a physical book reader. But I remember people saying that he adds his commentary and like, you got to listen to it on audio, on audio, excuse me. And I did. And I was so glad I did because you get his voice and his energy and his anger, which is great. And uh, he's another guy that would agree. It all for him came from childhood trauma. I mean, you're talking about a guy who came from a, a super abusive relationship with um, a parent. And then his mom, if you remember, like was, I don't remember if they were married or she was dating the guy. And he kind of saw this guy as like the real father figure. That got murdered in the driveway. Yeah. And like, it's just wild, man. So he went on to gain all this weight and, um, you know, something happened in his life and he just said, that's not going to be me anymore. And that was that the end of story and, it, and his life changed from there. And uh, you're right. I, guys like him and, and Jocko Willink and all these dudes talk about, you know, it's motivation is cool. It's cool to look at things on Instagram where people like Goggins are yelling on Instagram and it, it may motivate you to lace up your sneakers for a, a day and go running. But it really is about the discipline because motivation, I mean, it, it doesn't last. You've got to rely on the discipline. But I also don't think there's anything wrong with with uh, getting like daily motivation. You know what I mean? I think if you recognize what it is, it's a superficial Instagram post. But hey, man, if you get up every day and you read stuff that motivates you, if you purposely take the time, I'm going to carve out one hour to meditate and read Goggins or or listen to a Jocko Willink podcast or whatever, if you know that that's going to fire you up to do what you need to do, do it every day. If you have the discipline to just do that every day, you're going to be fine. It's really easy to be like, okay, how am I going to live a great life? Hmm, let's see. I should call my mom every day. Um, obviously, I got to work out every day. I have to have a good diet. I have to have a whatever, healthy relationship, whatever. Like it's easy to It's easy to roadmap what a good life looks like. What's really hard is actually doing it. I mean, it might be easy to do it for one, two, three, four days, but there's going to be a day where you're driving home from the gym and you're like, nah, I forgot to call my mom today. I'll just call her tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and you're like, ah, shit, man, work's crazy today. I'm not really in a, a great headspace for it. And before you know it, you're not doing any of those things anymore. And I think it's just so important that if you know that it takes one hour in the morning to read the right stuff or listen to the right stuff, and then you would have called your mom that day, you just got to do it. You got to listen to that stuff. Or, you know, like in jujitsu, just pack your bag. Just walk in the gym. Just go to the gym. That's all you got to do. And if you can get those tiny little wins, it's pretty easy from there. It's like losing weight, you know? The battle happens at the grocery store. It doesn't really happen in the gym for the most part. If you just went to the store and said, I'm this, this stuff on my list that I'm, this is all I'm getting and there's no gray area, 
you'd be fine. But that's not what people do. They go to the store and they go, ah, I'm going to get Snickers. I'll just get Snickers for later. Absolutely. But like, no, you can't do that. And that applies to everything in your life. Yeah, I, I think that you just kind of just like being able to trust the routine and the the results. You know, I'm a I wouldn't say I'm a well knowledge like fitness guy, but I, you know, I watch my fair amount of videos. But one of the things I, I love to watch is watching these bodybuilders uh, get get in competition prep. And just watching them spend like 12 to 16 weeks of, you know, sometimes an hour of cardio a day, plus, you know, sometimes even a 45 to an hour uh, of workout in the same day, separated. And like the concept of like, going to the gym twice a day. I mean, for me as a person who's done it, it's, it's not the craziest thing, but it's kind of like, okay, that's a big commitment. Mm -hmm. And then I think about, you know, there's some gyms that, you know, they just have a lot of money and resources. And I've heard some gyms have like morning classes. So you, depending on your work schedule, you could probably get a roll in before work and after work. And I can tell you as someone who, when I take, a, I've taken a week off from, from work and I've actually went to like a 7 a.m. class and went in after what in like at a like 5.30 class. And I was like, oh, this is different. And I remember distinctly, and I, I know you've heard these conversations too, like when people would want to join the fight team, like like coach would have like a, a real conversation like this isn't your money is great but like you're expected to be here because you're a reflection of this and even with the even when we would do competition prep it was like you you're expected to be at all these advanced classes xyz so that way your coaches know where you're at they can they and you can be coachable you know what i'm saying so it's just so um it's so interesting that you talk about like the concept of of just being willing to commit to the small things and then also not allow other people to discourage you that that small little thing, I think Jocko says it or, or Joe Rogan, it's like the kindling that you got out of a situation to be like, if that's what soaked your fire, great, keep it moving, don't allow. And sometimes I think through, through growing up, you have to be mindful of how much you share of what you're doing with other people. Because if you're not mentally strong enough, it can be easy to be discouraged. And that's kind of like the main intent with this podcast is to allow those people who are maybe they're in that limbo, they're on the seesaw of life. And they're like, I'm just trying to find that balance. Like this might give you just a little bit more of being like, okay, what type of legacy do I want to leave on this earth? Like what inspires me? Like, what is my foundation? Is it, is it me staying really fit and eating whatever that I want? Or maybe I'm a person that I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to commit my time to the kitchen and maybe not to the gym. Like finding all those things, and then ultimately, like I think it's about being a, a protector of your energy. And I think when I look at you know the the values that I'm pretty sure your dad inspired you to have, and I look at like how my dad and my mom inspired me, I think you really learn as you get older. You have to be very protect protective and mindful to kind of exclude certain people and certain things because they will distract you and, and and divert you from getting what you really want and later on it's even harder because now not necessarily that you're attributing blame but you can look back and say oh man i allowed this and this to get in the way and i lost so much time and it's not that you can't make it back but now you have to 
deal with that little bit of an ego, <laughs> ego hit of being like, damn, I'm not where I'm supposed to be because I allow things that weren't supposed to be there to distract me. So yes, and I feel like there's there's two things. A, the ability to recognize that you have to you have to take an objective look and say, am I where I want to be? Or am I doing what I want to be doing right now? And you, if you don't have the ability to do that, if you don't have the, the mental capacity, or you don't make the time to like really be introspective and go, okay, well, what am I doing? What am I really doing? Am I, am I being committed? If then you're, if you just go, if you get really comfortable going, ah, I went to the gym like two or three days a week. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm good with that. But if you take the time to like really analyze what you're doing in life, you'll be okay. And the second part of it is you should feel like shit when you don't do what you said you're going to do. I, it's not, I, in my opinion, it, it, you can, you can, um, you can be dismissive of your own failures. That's fine. But you can't be dismissive of your own failures. If you're trying to achieve something, no matter what it is, even if it's losing 10 pounds. I mean, if you are trying to lose 10 pounds and you are eating a Snickers bar for lunch or whatever, three or four days a week, you should feel like shit about yourself about it. You know, I, I don't think it's okay to just be like, well, you're, you know, you're trying your best. Well, that's cool, but you're not going to get anywhere. If you just have that mindset, if you, you know, you're, you're trying to get a purple belt in jujitsu and you're only going a day a week because your life is busy or you were too lazy or you were tired, you ain't ever getting a purple belt. And a, you got to recognize that. And B, you should probably feel like shit about it. And if you feel like shit about it, you're going to change your, your mindset or you're going to change your, uh, your, your activity. You will go to class, but if yeah. you accept that, you're never going to get what you want. Yeah, I agree with that. But one thing I would, I would add to it though, is I would say if you don't have the ability to maybe maintain the frequency, I think what you can do, I think that's also a step in the right direction is level up your intensity of when you do apply yourself. So I can tell you that I've been plenty of times where I couldn't train as much as I wanted to because of life. But when I did go train, I would show up early and I would train until no one was left. So I think there's a there's a level of of being able to measure, you know, find that that barometer of where life feels like it fits. Like, of course, sitting at home on the couch is probably not the best, but you don't we don't you don't want to be that person who you have the ability to go three times a week and you just don't. But if life just doesn't work, okay, you're just like tapped out. Then it's like, if you do go, how do you, I would say the best way, how do you sell out when you're there? You know what I'm saying? If yep. you can only compete in one tournament a year, are you willing to go in a weight bracket that's going to be the deepest and it's double elimination where you might have to go through 10 dues just to get bronze like are you willing to like completely sell out when you have the opportunity or do you just say oh uh, right now it's not the perfect time so i'm just gonna like you know take take this one off you know oh i agree yes it's it's mostly about accepting mediocrity and being okay with not achieving your goals and that's that's all it is i mean me too i went to a movie last night saw the northman incredible movie uh, and then I went out to dinner with the boys afterwards. So I was out until whatever, 1030 or something, knowing I have yoga at 9am on Saturdays. And I, and I made the decision if I'm going out with the boys, I'm probably gonna be tired and I'm not going to go to yoga. And lo and behold, I woke up this morning, I woke up late and I didn't go to yoga. And I, I mean, that's my own failing. And I knew that, you know, I made that decision. Was I okay with it? I wasn't. So guess what I did? I worked harder in jujitsu. I rolled with all the good guys and I let them fuck me up. 
And that's just the way it is. And like, that's what you, I think you have to have that mindset in anything. If you are, uh, if you're going to be successful, I mean, life gets in the way for everybody. When I broke my collarbone, I was out for like eight months. I couldn't train. And it started with me going, well, I'm going to go to class every day and I'm just going to sit and watch. And I did. I felt like it was my responsibility, like they say in the book, Musashi, to remind these people the duty of a samurai. But along the line, I stopped going to watch, you know? Mm-hmm. And the difference was like that, I recognized that as my failure. And the next time I got hurt, I did go every day to watch. And, but you know, it's a give and a take, you know, not everybody, you, you're not going to be able to do everything you want to do. Like uh, Ray Dalio says, you can have anything you want, but you can't have everything you want. And I think that's real. That's a really important thing to recognize. I think, you know, life gets in the way for everybody, but win the small battles. That's what it is. Make a decision, have some discipline and win the small battles. Wow. Like, and, and that you tied into a lot of things that I always like to ask people. And I'll probably ask you at the end, what your favorite one is like a lot of quotes that kind of keep you like instilled. So something I'm, you know, always curious about is like, I think when people have such influential parents like what are your thoughts on kids is that something you see for yourself in the future oh yeah we're trying i was cool with zero or one kids i'm the kind of guy that if we if we never had kids it's all good with me but um yeah my wife really wants kids and she's okay with one too so yeah we're actively trying okay and uh it's it is a strange thing to live a life where you know that you will have to yield some of the things that you love to put your priorities where they really should be, you know? And that's, but I also recognize because I, I'm 34 this year, you know, I'm not 21 having kids and I've done a lot of things in my life and jujitsu has taught me that um, there are important things and you, you do have to, there is more to life than just like going to the gym and training. And um, it's, it's going to be cool. I'm really excited. You know, it's the life is going to, you know, that's going to be put on pause for a little bit. And my life will move into into a different direction, but that will help me grow as well. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. This is dope, man. I'm happy for y'all. You know, you know, best luck with that. You know, and I think uh, where this always kind of clicks in my head because I'm kind of like you. Like I kind of feel like it's never been something like deep in my soul of anything to do. I think because I'm just a very like independent person and. Uh, it sounds like we both love to travel. So I've after traveling and being, you know, traveling with people is one thing, but traveling by yourself and waking up on your own scheduling, just kind of coming and going, you just learn like a different like appreciation to it. So one of my friends, TJ, he recently had a kid and, you know, I was kind of like looking at him to see like, what is his life going to look like? And I want to say like, he just it sounds like he just has like a really supportive wife they've been together for a long time and he just kind of like they kind of worked out a deal where he he, tr- he comes and trains when he can but it's kind of like he's like he kind of gets in gets out you know and i was yeah. like oh okay so because in my head i always thought like what would that look like when you you know you have a kid and you know you're working she's working xyz and you're just like i just want to like like we just said, let me just maintain a little bit of consistency without it seeming selfish. And I think it really just comes down to like having that transparency of like, you know, jujitsu is something that like fills your cup, you know, it just, and I, I feel like jujitsu makes you a better, in my opinion, like employee as well. Cause you just realize that sometimes you have to ride the wave and deal with different things. So I, I wish you the best with that. And you know, uh, I, I can't wait to hear when you welcome 
you know, the newest uh, MMA white belt to the world, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be cool, dude. I heard a a great thing. I was, when we kind of decided we were going to go in this direction, it really stressed me out. And I was thinking like, dang, am I ready for this? Or is this really what I want? And I I was listening to some podcasts about it and I can't remember who said it, but the guy was talking to, to a guy that had called into the show talking about how um, it's been really miserable for him. And like, he hates, he hates being a father and, he never has time to do what he wants to do. And it's like, he's having a real hard time, you know? And the guy said something really, that really impacted me. He said, you are having a hard time because you are trying to fit your old life into your new life. And that's, that does that is not a thing. Like that is not your life anymore. It cannot be your life. What you're doing now is your new life. And it's obviously like with jujitsu, it's a give and a take. You're absolutely right. You you do not get a good version of Trevor Smith without jujitsu. I need it. We we need it. Those mm-hmm. of us that are addicted, it's our therapy. So even now, I mean, my wife and I make compromises. Like if I'm going to have a heavy week of training, for example, we were going to have dinner with her parents next week, but I'm going to be in Florida. And I said, well, the only day I can train is Monday. And she's like, well, I thought we were having dinner with my parents. And I said, I love you very much. I have to train. I, I need to train because if I'm going to be traveling the rest of the week and she was cool with it and we'll, you know, we'll make it up on the back end. And I think that's, that's what you got to do as a, as a parent too. You, you got to make it up somewhere and you got to find a loving partner that's able to compromise in that way. And you just got to accept your new life, whatever that is. It's just like when you're injured, your new life is your shoulder doesn't work. It's going to be that way for a little while. Accept it. It is what it is, you yeah. know, deal with it. And with kids, I mean, it's timelines a little longer, but that this is what we're doing now. Like find the joy in that. Now you can't fit your old life into the new life. Like there's a lot of joy to be found in this. Just recognize what it is and go down that path. Don't fight it. hundred percent. You know, I think something as, as uh, routine as packing a suitcase. Like I remember in my younger days when I would travel, it would just be like, I just need clothes and I'll just be good to go. And just recently I went to, to, to a, like a work TDY and, and, and it's amazing how much you look at life differently when your your suitcase before used to just be like the bare necessities, which is just, you know, clothes to just be casual, some shoes and whatever else you absolutely need to have. And this last time I had my camera, I had my jujitsu gi, I had some no gear, no gi stuff. I had gym clothes. So I'm looking at my suitcase and it's like, bro, you're only gone for like a week. But like in my head, like kind of like you're, you were kind of like implying, like my priority was, I know I'm probably gonna eat some good food while I'm there. So let me go ahead and at least work out to try to, you know, balance that scale. Um, a dude I used to train with in Korea, um, he lives like, you know, he trains 30 minutes away from my hotel was. So I was like, I guess I'll take an Uber and go train with this guy. And so like, I was just like looking, so, so all as simple as like, as, as the listeners can think about the concept of just thinking about your suitcase and I have a suitcase that has like a, a partition that you can zip up. I had like half of like what I was going there for, like my intent was in one side, but then like my passion, which is working out, you know, bringing my headphones and then my new like passion of getting into photography and capturing moments and stuff, all that stuff. So here it is my whole life before was, oh, I could pack 30 pounds in like a small little backpack and be good for a week. Now that doesn't work because I'm thinking about what do I bring that I have to bring? What do I want to bring? And then I have 
coworkers, technicians is like uh, what well, our term for them. And I'm like, what can I bring back for them? So I brought them back some snacks from this. So it was like, you just see that like, sometimes something as simple as a work vacation can be so multi-layered of thinking about something that's so much bigger than yourself, you know? Yes, totally agree. That's, that is, it's funny you mentioned that I've, like I've said, I'm going to Iceland and, um, and Sweden in August. So just packing a suitcase, you're right. When I went to Japan in 2014, I brought like a, like a 20 liter, it's probably less than 20 liter North face backpack. I had one extra pair of underwear and like one shirt. I mean, it was, it was the most minimal traveling ever. And now that I'm older and there's like, I'd be like, man, maybe I should bring a gi or maybe I should bring some second shoes. It's just funny how you get older and and priorities change a little bit. That suitcase gets a little bit bigger, hard to pare down in in life. Yeah. And, and I think when you're older, you be willing to, I think when you're younger, you're like, uh, I'll take this out of the suitcase and I'll tie this hoodie around my waist or I'll throw it in my bag or, you know, you'll find some other way to be like, I don't want to pay that extra money for that bag. But I think for me, I would say as I've gotten older, it's like, I literally, as I was looking at my suitcase and I was getting ready to leave Texas, I knew everything I had wouldn't fit in my suitcase. So I was like, okay, what can I do? So I went to like, you know, went to the store. I just bought like a gym bag and the cheapest one I could find just to put everything else in there, just so I didn't have to leave anything there. And it didn't seem like a, a far-fetched idea because I was bringing stuff not just for myself, but for for the guys that I work with. So it's just kind of like I was willing to spend the extra money for the convenience of knowing that I did something nice for them. Where I think when you're like a little more selfish when you're younger, you're just like, oh no, they'll be fine. And I remember even the guys I talked to, they're like, you're you're going to the store to buy things for the the techs that work under you. And I'm like, yeah. Cause like I have the the pleasure opportunity to go to the States. We live in Japan. There's a lot of comforts that from America that, you know, this is my, honestly, this trip to uh, America recently was the first time I've left Japan since I've been here almost mm-hmm. two and a half years. So granted I've, you know, we went to Tokyo and things like that, but just with COVID, I was just like, I'm not really trying to go through all the, the the hoops and ladders to go to the states it just wasn't worth it and then other countries they had very you know restricted borders so it was just kind of like okay so this is my first opportunity and kind of like we talked about like you know thinking of something bigger than yourself i was like i'm going to do this because i want to do this and whether they appreciate it or not you know if you think about the movie inside out i think those are little core memories that you can leave as like a leader or as a boss or as a manager to say like wow this person like could have totally been all about themselves but they still took you know a five to ten minute time out of their time to just bring me back like one thing to just say hey i know you didn't have the opportunity but this might be something you could appreciate you know yeah marcus aurelius talks about how doing good for others should be like a a tree that bears fruit. Mm. He says, uh, a tree that bears fruit, you know, someone comes and grabs an apple or whatever. And the tree's not like, well, Hey, what the hell? Where's my thank you? Or look what I did for you. It's, it's like, it's doing good regardless. And you in your life should be a vessel to do good for others without ever expecting anything in return, or even noticing that you're going out of your way to be nice to others. That's just how it should be. You should just bear fruit all the time, proverbially speaking. 
Yeah, I like that quote, you know, I think, and the, but the last part, like really is something I might have to adopt is, is I think I'm very intentional about doing the right thing for people because it's something that I, not necessarily that I would want someone to do to me, but I, I notice that I'm very verbal about when people do something for me, like me and you going back between like the podcast, like, like me, that's what I was talking about earlier about me just being like, oh crap, I need to get home and make sure I'm ready to go because, you know, time is valuable and, you know, you know, uh, you're at home and, you know, you got a wife and, you know, pets and things, so many other things you could be doing, but you devoting this time for me is like, you know, it's beyond measure for me. And, you know, although at this point, you know, I'm not making any money off the podcast and that's eventually not uh, a goal in the aspirations for me to build a mansion or anything like that. But I just look at it as, you know, certain things are business oriented just for you to be able to continue to invest in it, you know, and I, I hope that as much as um, people can invest in themselves from the things they hear on these podcasts, I'm getting invested in by the people sharing their stories. And it's like so weird to train with someone for so long. And you, you and I both know this, it's like, uh, sometimes with our jujitsu guys, we only talk about jujitsu and maybe a little MMA a lot at times, but that's it. Mm -hmm. So you get into this box where it's like, I just know you as Trevor, the guy who surfs and does jujitsu and is married it has a really cool dog and it's like, that's it, you know? And then I do this podcast with you and it's just like, okay, this dude meditates. He has like a lot of quotes that he remembers, you know, he's backpacking through Japan, you know, uh, he knew that his wife was gonna be his wife 20 years before it happened. You know, he had the self-awareness to be able to say like, I wasn't in a place where I could have been the man or the husband that she needed to be. It's like wow like okay maybe even when you think you may think you know what you're doing when you hear somebody else's story it gives you a little bit of time to sit back and pump the brakes a little bit and say wow so like now i i always feel um a sense of like fulfillment of just getting a chance to know someone that you've known for so many years and we've you know we've stayed in contact a message here or there or a facebook post but it's so interesting to like have this dialogue with you now after so many years of of just kind of passing by and then being able to be like wow i i as much as i thought i knew about you and you would think coming from white belt to blue belt you would think you would damn near know everything but literally like we were talking about before we started recording you're just grinding and you're just like how do i get better and trevor's like the longest uh guy i know in in like as a white belt so i had to figure out like why this dude, when he shoots a triangle, like how do I beat it? And then me, I'm like this muscly uh, white belt that I have like a, a very respectable Kimura. So like what do dudes that have like nowhere near the same strength, what do they do to defend it? So we just like spent all this time grinding that we never got a chance to really know what was like the, the mental commitment that we were putting in to continue to train as long as we did. Yeah, well, thank you for all the kind things you said about me. That's very nice, John. I imagine that that's a it's a cool point that you bring up. Imagine if you could interview everybody you've ever trained with. It's it's so strange to think that all of these people that we know just through this one aspect of our life, they all have their own, like we said, childhood trauma that they're 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 living with 
or their family life that they're they're living or other things that they're doing or they're you know i train with a guy who's a senior vice president at wells fargo probably makes a ton of money I, I mean he's probably got an interesting life but we only know these people as here's this guy who catches me in a triangle every time we roll it's mm. it's a it's a really cool thing that we do and we get to meet all these people and just have you know i think it's a blessing and a curse to have like a surface level knowledge you know you can walk into any gym in the world and be friends with you know a, a group of people just because you have a common interest uh, but at the same time you know if you really take the time to ask questions um, they could be lifelong friends you know these are people that have similar interests as you and uh, you may never know it but they're they're exactly who you'd want them to be potential best friend you know it's pretty cool it's a, it's jujitsu is a really cool thing yeah i agree with that and what like when you said about like people making a lot of money it's like I remember when I was signing into my my friend Danny's gym in San Antonio, you know, I like signed in and I remember they were like, oh, this is like, I think it's like a 20 or $25, you know, mat fee or whatever, right? And I didn't mind paying it, but you know, I think in my earlier days, I probably would have been like, you know, it's a drop in, like I'm a, I'm a passion, I'm a practitioner, I'm flying in, like, of all the gyms that I could have trained at, I, I, I chose your gym to train. My buddy works there. I mean, my buddy trains with you guys. Like, you know, I think I could have came in there with a little bit of ego of just like, why can't I just train for free type deal? Mm. But I, you know, I just was like, okay, like I'm, I feel like one thing I've learned through like life is being, I'm, I'm, I'm more minimalistic in a lot of things that I do. So certain things don't really affect me as much. So I remember when we were training back in the day, when you needed to buy a gi, it was either control or MMA warehouse. Like your options were just like, it just seemed like you're going to spend $130, $150 for a gi. And that's just, that just is what it is. And now like these new practitioners can live off of BJJ HQ and yep. buy $70 gis for like, a month and then have a whole you know iron man suit of geese so it just it just shows you like how much things change but i can just say that it's just so weird to me that that i learned through being more minimal in jujitsu and like having your bread and butter techniques you being like able to manage your money in a way that you could show up to a gym where i think at the face of it you could say they could have gave me a pass to just let me train for free but i was able just to put that aside and say hey i'm training with my buddy and it was a great time and i remember it was such an interesting experience because it was the black belt's birthday so i've never in my entire jujitsu career ever seen the black belt do a birthday role like we've done shark tanks for white belts and you're going away and all that but seeing a black belt birthday role was like what is this? This was about the, the one time we trained. So we're training and I'm just like, this is a weird thing. And then, you know, they, they, they work from the white belts all the way to the blue and then purple and I, we're rolling and I catch him in like something and he's like, okay. And then he gets on top and I'm just tired. I'm like, oh my gosh, like he's been rolling for like 30, 40 minutes and he still was able to sweep me or whatever. And it just stuck with me that after the rolls were over, um, I had went for like an omoplata setup that like I've been like mentally like rehearsing for like years now, just trying to like when this opportunity shows up, make it work. And he's like, hey, like you were pretty good here, but like make this change. And 
it just stuck with me as like a recent memory to say like wow like i'm a i'm a guest here and you could have easily just said hey thanks for coming have a nice day come back if you want to but for you to be that invested in 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 just the art you know i mean just the art of jujitsu enough that this guy who just came in purple belt who just knows one of your students and you just sit back and take the time to, to to tighten up my game a little bit for for free it just shows you that some people are i guess just further along in in life to be able to just invest in people even if they're transient you know yeah i remember when i got my brown belt do you remember chris malictum mm. yeah yeah filipino chris malictum ninja great guy one of the actually yeah. one of the great one of the best people i've ever met I remember him saying, he sent me a message and congratulated me. And I kind of told him, I was a little down about getting my brown belt. I was like, dang, dude, this is wild. Like I never thought I would get a brown belt and I'm not that good. This doesn't seem right. Like it's, you know, when you get a belt, it's like a strange thing. And he said, yeah, it's a big responsibility. But he said, you don't have to be like really great at jujitsu to get a, like a certain belt. You know what I mean? He said, it's more of a representation of what you can give back to the sport. And that changed, that changed the way I looked at things for a while. I really, I really appreciated that. You know, I don't know all the answers and there's plenty of positions I'm completely unfamiliar with. I have nothing to add. And there's plenty of lower belts that give me probably too hard of a time. Um, but I kind of recognize that as like, okay, well as a Brown belt, Maybe I do have a lot to give back to the sport. And one of my favorite things to do is to roll with newer guys. I was just rolling with a newer guy today and I was, I was showing him, uh, you know, various positions he's working on his frames, you know, so I would pass his guard and, and kind of be real slow about the way I put my cross space in and tell him like, Hey, you want a frame here and just kind of doing that for the, the entire round I'd mount, I'd let him get out, make a frame. And it was, it was cool. And, um, like, was it productive training for me? I don't know if productive is the right word, but it was really enjoyable training for me. I know I made that kid better and I know he had a great time and I probably, you know, we always talk about getting 1% better every day. Well, he might've gotten 8% better, 10% better just from one thing. And I thought that's cool. That is, that is unique to jujitsu. And that in a five minute window of time, you can give somebody a gift that will really change for sure their day, but maybe, you know, how they train for the next year, just by one, like a couple sentences or one technique. And it's cool that the, the more you do jujitsu, the more you can give to people. Just like we talked about the, the tree bearing fruit. Well, eventually you're going to be a, a tree that just bears fruit all the time. Like, like John, he's full of fruit. He's got to come take it. It's all good. Yeah. Like, you know, one of the things that, um, I just thought about, like, as I was like taking in that was just like, you know, I, I don't know if the website's still up, but it's like called like BJJ um, Tree. And it just kind of allowed you to see all the, you know, black belts and like kind of where they came from, all the like notable ones. And when you think about like the concept of like a black belt birthing more black belts, it's so crazy. So like, I can't say that I know the total count, but I just know roughly the ones that just from the time that i've been training uh that i can think of at least five or so people that got their black belts under john crouch and like mm -hmm. that is like crazy in my head to think like 
when you have gotten to the point that you have people who probably have only trained under you, you're a good example of that, that can say they literally went from white to, to black under you. And that's why I asked you, you know, for the listeners uh, to be able to know where you train at, because we've also seen practitioners that every single belt due to life and circumstances is from a different person. That's not no shame or anything, you know, life happens, but I think there's always going to be a, 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 a sense of pride to um, be able to say that you, you grew up solely under one system. Like I think Marcelo Garcia is another good example of like certain like people that you're like, Oh, you like your whole training was under him. Like everything. That's all, you know, it's like, okay, you're, you're different. You're built, you're, you're, you know, there's certain guys and I, and I, I know you've seen it where you see their, uh, their gi and you see the patches on it. You're like, Oh, this is different. When you see a Kyle Terra black belt or, you know, person in that system, you're like, okay. When you see an Atos person, you're like, okay. When you see certain people, it doesn't mean that they're quote unquote better, but you just know the stock. And then like, you're talking about the, there's probably so much more pressure on them to get better and to give back. So, you know, not to throw any shade, but you know, like you think about the whole Dylan Dennis thing and Marcelo being like, you're just not a reflection of what I want you to be anymore. I like that a lot. So, so I, 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 I can't take back your knowledge. I can't take back all the things I've given you. I'm not going to say that like, I like, uh, um, I don't know what the word is, but you can just say like, I just can't for my legacy, right? For my foundation of what my school is built on for all the accolades that are under my name and all the other black belts that have come from me, I can't continue to be associated with you because you're not a reflection of the art anymore. So I like that very much. And I was I was really psyched when that when he kicked Dylan Danis out of the gym. And that other dude, I mean, you know, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened, but I feel like, uh, you know, I'm really big into like samurai culture and just the respect and honor piece of martial arts. And I think it's really cool that we go to this place, which that's kind of our temple, you know, the, the, the jujitsu mat is our temple and you should be, uh, there's some, it's a big responsibility to be a black belt, man. Like, if, you know, I don't want to train under someone who's got this extensive, I don't know, criminal record and a drug problem, but they're good at jujitsu. That's, that's not, that's not what I'm looking for. Like you can keep that jujitsu, you know, I'm like, yeah, they're, they're great, but that's, I don't want to spend my time there. We talked about it's hundreds and thousands of hours to get a black belt in jujitsu. I want to be under somebody and with a team of people that's like-minded, respectful, you know, honorable, likes to give back, not a douchebag, whatever happened with Dylan, I have no idea. But it must have been crazy enough for Marcelo to be like, listen, you need to leave the gym. You're not a good influence on people. Um, I really like that because it's, it, he's great. You know, Dylan is is awesome, or at least he was great at jujitsu. And his jujitsu was a good reflection of Marcelo. I mean, he was winning tournaments and he was a, a big up and comer as, as, as a brown belt. I liked that Marcelo said, that's not enough. You have to be a good person too. And I think I, I wish that was more prevalent in everyday life. I just wish we had, you know, better, better caliber people and better role model, role models to hold us to a high standard like that. I thought that was a cool move. 
Yeah. And, you know, and that kind of gets into like the kind of like the last part of the acronym is just like being mindful of the energy that you share with other people. And sometimes if you find yourself in a situation where you're having to do more defense of someone's character than progressing in what you want to progress in, then it's like sometimes you have to count your losses. And I say it that way in a, in a stance that every relationship that you cultivate when it, when it, when it, when it fizzles out, hopefully there is a sense of loss. You know, I can say when I got divorced, like, even though it wasn't the best relationship for me, um, there was a lot of loss associated with it because there's this idea of this was supposed to be forever. This was supposed to be this, this is, this is like, I, you know, in your head, you just have it like, like, you know, you, you say your vows and you sign the paperwork and name changes and you look at all these things. You're like, this is what this is supposed to be. And even through situations that aren't in your best interest, there's a sense of loss because of the affiliation and the energy that you put into it. So sometimes it's counting your losses to say that uh, as much as I don't want to see you go and maybe in another universe, we can reconnect and rekindle and, and work past it. At this point, uh, the interests of the things and the people I'm responsible for are far more important than this singular relationship. And those those things hurt, you know, and I'm pretty sure as a black belt, you know, I'm pretty sure that's something you, you as Marcelo probably never thought you would be there. And I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't shed his own level of tears associated with it, but there's a probably amount of sleep that he lost, a lot of tears that he lost, a lot of, you know, restless nights and things that he lost in having to be able to make that decision and then go out publicly and say so, you know, cause I mean, as you know, like in jujitsu, there's so much, it just, it happens in the gym, it stays in the gym, you know? So for you to have to, to like put your, your jujitsu brand on highlight street to be able to say, not only am I expelling one of the black belts that I grew, but two of them, that's a, you know, that's a big, you know, that's a big situation. I love it. I, I'm such a big fan of that. I think it shows such character for Marcelo because it's so easy to just be like, I don't know, don't mention my name or don't wear my rash guards or like you, you know, like you said, what happens in the gym stays in the gym kind of thing. That's, that's the easy move, but it's really difficult to have a conversation with somebody. And I mean, they obviously had a conversation and he had to tell him, I love you to death. You know, Dylan was probably a young kid when he first showed up there. And he said, this is not, he probably gave him a couple warnings and was like, this is the end, man. You gotta, you gotta step out of here. And that's what we've, we've been talking about this whole time, right? Like grinding and doing the hard thing. And for Marcelo, his goal was to have a certain caliber and a certain reflection from his gym. He built that gym. That's who he is. It's his name on the door. And uh, he did the hard thing and made a change. And I, I just think that's the coolest thing ever. I, I love that. Yeah, me too. So like, you know, so, so now at like, you know, you said 34 years old right now, 34 this year in July. Yeah. Or so like, what are some things for like some of the younger listeners when they're, they're, they're trying to navigate life and they're trying to figure out what are some key things that you would say to the young Trevor of like, these are some things that maybe 
if I had focused on this or put energy here, it would have maybe have uh, helped me a little more. It's just for me, it's it's a it's two super standout things. Making an effort, like, are you really putting forth effort, or are you just kind of half-assing it? Is this a is this a good reflection of you, or are you just trying to get a C in life? Um, and the other thing is is the mindfulness. To me, it all it all comes from mindfulness. I mean, that's that's who I am and what I believe. You're not going to recognize the effort that you're putting forth unless, for me, if unless you take the time to be introspective. If you just take some time to really think and be quiet for a moment and put the phone down or get off Reddit or Facebook or whatever and breathe like we used to do, just take a second and close your eyes and analyze yourself. And if you do that every day, you'll have a pretty good idea of, of who you are, where you're going wrong, what you could have done better, things you should have said differently. And if you do that long enough, you'll start to recognize these things before they happen. Like I said, showing up to the gym. I mean, all you got to do is pack your bag and walk in the front door. The rest happens from there. If you just tell yourself, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do one bicep curl and I'm going to leave. The entire battle is just packing the bag and going to the gym. That's it. You know, when you get there, you're going to do way more than that. Or in like jujitsu, all you got to do is show up. I mean, the programming is done for you. You just do what the coach says. So the hardest part then becomes packing the bag, getting in your car and driving there. So if you just pare everything down, it, it's all easy. It's just those little battles like we've talked about the whole time. But it does take the mindfulness and the introspective uh, in, introspection to see those little battles before they happen. That's what I would tell my my younger self and younger people. Yeah, I respect that. Is there is there anybody that you would say that you could point to that's been a a pivotal person that that like you kind of you use them to like mentor and guide you at all? Oh my God. I, yeah. I'm blessed to have these people in my life. John is one of these people, you know, do you look at somebody like John you go, I want to be like that. You know, John's a good guy. He's a good black belt. He's built a business and he's built, um, he's built great people. Um, I, my old boss, uh, Robin, who hired me when I was just a dumb snot nosed kid, didn't know anything. And here we are 15 years later and, you know, I've gotten promotions and things are, are good for me professionally. You know, she saw, she took a risk with on me and, I, I guess it worked out, you know, I think that's, that was, that was huge for me. And obviously like, like people like you, man, I think, like you said, there's people that, I mean, I don't know as well as I know um, some of my best friends. Right. But the fact that like, here we are sitting on a podcast with a logo in the corner that you did, like you named it. There's the thing that you got on Fiverr. Like you, you made, you messaged me, you put the time down and here we are doing it. I mean, I know this was an idea for a long time, but you you did it. Like there's everybody had this idea. I I used to do a podcast too, but I stopped doing it because it was, you know, I was younger, life got in the way and like I quit, you know? And I just think it's so inspiring for people, people that just make shit happen. You know, John was just a, a, a snot nosed kid at one point too, and he showed up at the at the Gracie Academy and look at him now. And my boss was, you know, she was just a nurse and then she started her company. And she just made an exit and uh, good for her. And like, here you are, you had an idea and it's really easy to just have this idea and go, oh, I'm going to get to it. When things calm down, I'm going to get to it. But like you got to it and here we are and people are going to listen to this and you made it happen. And 99.9% .9 of people, everybody's got ideas, man. It's, you know, everybody's got something they want to do, but they're not doing it. You did it. And that's very inspiring to me. I appreciate that, man. So like, you know, 
one of the things I always like to end on is I like to like give, you know, everybody's got different quotes, you know, and things that kind of like, you know, they find themselves in, in your life more often than not, you know? So um, what's a quote that you think you could share uh, with the listeners as far as something that you find yourself uh, circling back to often as like oh, something man. that kind of guides you? Boy, oh boy. I have many, many of these things. It's hard to pick one actually. Uh, you talked about, um, you know what I'm going to give you, let me get, I'm going to exit this out just for a second and let me see if I can, let's see. It's Marcus Aurelius universe. We talked a little bit earlier about how you can't, there we go. There it is. Okay. So he talks about how, um, all the, all the big things are just made of small things. Mm -hmm. And I, I see that everywhere in my life any problem you're dealing with or any goals you want to achieve if you can just zoom out as far as you can and simplify that's where you find the real truth and um as it relates to life and existentialism marcus aurelius says the following and he wrote this two thousand years ago he says constantly regard the universe as one living being having one substance and one soul and observe how all things have reference to one perception the perception of this one living being and how all things act with one movement and how all things are the cooperating causes of all things which exist. Observe to the continuous spinning of the thread and the structure of the web, which is a lot of words, <laughs> but it's very cool for me to think that everything that's going on, you know, it, one, one good thing is, is for me is one bad thing for you or whatever but it's all just one living, breathing situation, whether you, like I said, my dad lost his job and it changed the course of our lives forever, but I wouldn't be the man I am today without that happening. And it's, it's all just part of one long story and the goods will eventually become the bads and the bads will eventually become the good, but ultimately it doesn't matter. Just stay the course and it's all just one life. Just live your life the best way you can live it. Well, I agree with that. Make sure you send send me that on IG. I need to. I definitely could probably chop that up and use uh, pieces of that. And that's kind of like for the listeners out there. The uh, a lot of the titles of the guests is going to be tied into those quotes because um, I can say right now I'm probably at like a a plateau where I, I use I lean on David David Goggins a lot for like different um, mindset things, but I think definitely my aspiration for the future is to have more people that I can kind of more well have a more well-rounded like uh approach to things because he and like uh Dakota and Jocko they kind of have this no holds barred <laughs> no excuses uh approach and I think that works in a lot of different arenas but I can definitely say that um, there's going to be a lot of overlap. So it's good to have other people and other things that you can kind of pull into when you need to maybe do a little bit more finesse. Like their, their approach is a lot more brute force. And uh, just like in jujitsu, like I would probably rather <laughs> not roll with Jocko because that's going to be brute force craziness and I'm probably not going to have a good time. Uh, I probably would want to roll with, with somebody who's, maybe a little smaller, like Joe Rogan or something where I feel like, okay, maybe, maybe there's a little bit more of a, a room for error in that situation. So I think it's kind of like finding that place in our life where we can say, 
sometimes you do have to just be a bull in a china shop and just get stuff done and deal with the pieces later but sometimes you gotta like put a little bit more finesse a little bit of massaging to try to get get your point across and and make make the change that you want and then be able to sustain it you know yeah, check out some Zen, John. I think you'd really like some Zen. Zen, the word Zen has been totally bastardized by Western culture. The words, you know, when you hear the word Zen, you think of like the the Pier One Imports version of Zen. Like I'm sitting by a waterfall, everything is peaceful and tranquil and wonderful. And there's a there's a famous phrase in Zen. It's it's called a koan, which is like a well, you're in Japan, the the Graceland of Zen. A koan is like a something that's like a Zen priest would say, and it like in, it inspires enlightenment in your mind. And they're always kind of a little bit nonsensical. And um, I'll save you the story, but Zen is a shit-covered stick. And what that really means is Zen is not sitting by a waterfall and everything is wonderful and we're just watching the clouds pass by and there's no stress. What Zen really is, is doing the dishes or Zen is mowing the lawn or getting your ass beat in jujitsu or wetting the bed or whatever, dude, it doesn't matter what it is. It's like, you know, if you can find moments of clarity and just accepting everything exactly how it is, that's what Zen is. And I think that's, I, I very much love Joe Rogan and David Goggins and Jocko Willink and all those dudes that are like, just fucking get some and wake up at four in the morning and just tie your shoes but I also like the 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 Zen approach to life that is whatever happens is perfect. All you have to do is accept it. So check some of that stuff out. I agree. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do. And don't forget to send me that quote. Yeah. So I, I just want to thank you again. You know, welcome to uh welcome to the platform. I hope that, you know, uh I hope this was value added to your day. I know it's value added to the listeners. The Squire Empire thanks you for just taking the time out to to let me get a chance to know you a little bit better and just allow people to realize that, you know, we're all small cogs in the wheel, but we all have influence in turning the world in the way that we want it to go. So sometimes we just have to sit down and shut up and maybe take that 20 minutes to meditate every morning to just be closer to who we want to be. So I just really thank you so much, Trevor, for stopping by to the podcast. Any closing words, any last nuggets you want to drop for the for the listeners? Nothing at all. Maybe one last nugget. When you're uh when you're coming up in life, don't forget to be nice to yourself. That's it. Just be nice to yourself. But and in closing, I, let me thank you for the opportunity. This was very fun, man. It's it's cool to get together and not only catch up, but um you know, how often do you get to talk like this with somebody? Not often. So it's 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 been really great, man. And it's been cool to hear your voice. Thanks a lot for having me. Absolutely. So until next time, the Squire Empire is closing out. You guys have a great day. Thanks, John. See ya.